What's up, everybody? PG Braun here, president of Blackstone Labs. And this is a, another episode of Ask PG Braun. And I have been bringing special guests on lately. And I'm going to do something a little bit different uh, with the intro to this one. So sometimes when I intro a guest, it's somebody that you guys know already from the bodybuilding community or the competition community. And I kind of give them their little rundown of shows they've done and whatnot, or uh, perhaps if I have a, uh, we had a military vet on last time, I gave him his little intro. There was a lot that I left out, so he filled it in for me. But for this particular episode, I'm actually gonna turn the tables on you, and I'm gonna have you introduce yourself, and I would like you to tell everybody how we first started speaking, Right. And then we're going to collectively tell our little stories of how our relationship started. And then we are going to go from there into the podcast because this is a unique one. I guarantee none of the other shows will start the way that this one starts. Sounds good. So um, I've not really been too much into bodybuilding. And once I came across your page and saw that you were such an animal lover, I had to meet you in some form or fashion. And although we didn't actually meet in person, we definitely did have some interactions on Instagram. So um, we had a little bit of history, some back and forth about your love for iguanas. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually from Miami. I've lived in Miami all my life, but just recently moved over to South Carolina. Now, South Carolina, we don't have any iguanas, but I can live through you, through your Instagram and your, <laughs> and your passion of your iguanas and, and that little guy that you keep trying to catch outside your house. And before we go farther into this, tell everybody your Instagram name. So my handle is Cecil Bear 22, mm -hmm. C-E-C-I-L Bear Okay, 22. so everybody can go and, and, and follow you, which we'll already put this up in the post anyway. I want you guys to make sure that you're uh, following the right person. She has a unique look, so you'll be able to, to spot her out with the, it's like fuchsia. Yeah, it's been hair. fuchsia for 12 years now. I, think I love if it. If I uh, mm -hmm. changed it, nobody would recognize me at this point. Well, I mean, I think it works, so uh, I don't think it's anything you have to worry about changing. So we started out with... Um, started out with some animal with some passion. Animals, yeah. Yep, started out with animal passion and then started getting a little bit more familiar with Blackstone Labs mm -hmm. and not for nothing, it's been the greatest and biggest change for me in my bodybuilding experience and adventure. Now, not that I compete, but you get older and things get harder to maintain. But with Blackstone, I've been able to do that in such a unique and healthy and effective way. And I've seen your bodybuilding uh, change quite a bit from when you yeah. first started with Blackstone Lab. I actually seen just from... Whenever I follow somebody, what I typically do, and I've said this before on the podcast, is I scroll all the way back to the very bottom of their page, yep. and I kind of start there, and I go through, because I kind of like to get my own little idea of the person's social media story, yep. and of course, everybody puts their own version of their story out there, but I like to see the different things, like the change of the physique, maybe the change of boyfriends or husbands or girlfriends and, and things like that. Uh, change of lifestyles and I, I kind of form my own little I don't want to say I decide whether or not I like you or not but I, I, I form my own little opinion beforehand and people usually know when I do this because I will like serial like like a bunch of the pictures right yeah and it's kind of funny now where I guess I've gotten to a point where I hate saying stuff like this but I guess I'm a big enough deal that whenever I do that lately people usually screenshot it and PG they, they post it like PG liked a bunch of my stuff, which I think is really cool. 
Um, and with you, I loved all of the the animal stuff. Well, I love I love uh, chicks with muscle, and I love animals. So you had a lot going for you. But we started talking a lot, and I don't want to uh, cruise over this part of the story because I had made a post about the real Tarzan. Yep. And uh, you had had an interaction with the real Tarzan as well. And the real Tarzan, and I don't know if I've really told this story on the podcast too much. So I'm going to tell a little bit more in-depth version of the story. And you don't have to tell shit if you don't want to. But I'm going to tell a little bit more in-depth version of my story because I feel that people should know it. Go for it. Uh, because some people that don't know the full story, because I'm going to tell it all on social media, they're basically like, oh, well, you know, he just didn't do his sponsored job and a lot of people don't do that and I'm like nah, it's a lot more than that so when I first discovered the real Tarzan and I'm not going to say this in a way where it looks super negative uh but he was his occupation was cleaning shit out of tegu cages over at uh underground reptiles now, underground reptiles for anybody I think in the reptile industry is is one of the biggest when it comes to really specifically tegus, but all kinds of stuff. And uh, Ryan, the guy that owns Underground Reptiles, I have never personally met him, but he has a great reputation. And, you know, people really trust their animals and they have a big warehouse. And he was basically working for Ryan, um, you know, basically just maintenance. Maintenance. Yeah. You know, no, uh, no true um, educational background or anything like that. Now, not to say that a lot of this isn't hands-on. It right. isn't, it, not to say that a lot of it isn't practical. So I'm not going to knock that because there's many people who've done a lot. Without education. Absolutely. 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 So he had gone out and put out a video and the video went viral. It was like the first video that he ever did that went viral. Uh, he went out and it was a very, very cold time in Florida and he was rescuing all the iguanas. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was great. And I saw it and I reached out to him and I said, you know, I have uh, 11 iguanas and um, I saw what you did and it really touched my heart. And I noticed that you're into working out. I'd love to bring you up to uh, Blackstone Labs, give you a tour of the facility and hook you up with some stuff. And he goes, oh, I know you. He's like, you're the dust guy. That's the strong shit. And I was like, oh, so you've taken my stuff before. And he was like, yeah, that's the strong shit. So I invited him up. And uh, I could tell that this was far before anything had happened with his career. So he was very starstruck by the whole situation, which is cool. I like when that happens. The, the old facility was pretty impressive. And people would be, you know, it was over 20,000 square feet. So people would be like, wow, this place is huge. And you had 40 people working in here. And it's an impressive operation. So I hooked him up with a bunch of stuff. And I said, here's what I'd love to do with you. I, I have such cool ideas with this. If you want to keep on going out, and doing videos like that, I will do one video with you a month where I train you in the gym and I help you be the best that you can be in that aspect. And you can take me out and we'll do fun stuff, you know, rescuing iguanas and whatnot because I love that kind of stuff. And he loved the idea. Now, when I told him that, he told me that he had gotten so much attention from his video that people were calling him the new Steve Irwin, but like the black Steve Irwin. And he had flavor that, you know, like Steve Irwin didn't have. And I was like, well, it's a pretty bold thing to say, but 
I, I like that. That's cool. That's interesting. And he said that he had a agency that uh, was going to be taking over his management and that they were gonna uh, they were pushing him for his own TV show, like all this crazy stuff that often happens to people that get a viral video on you know YouTube. It, it happens all the time. Ninety nine percent of the time, nothing ever happens with that. You know, there are some people who've utilized their YouTube to turn it into very successful YouTube pages and become YouTubers, as they call them, and vloggers. And there are people that have done the same thing on Instagram. And so, at the time of this happening. He had a decent following, but nothing, nothing mind-blowing. Uh, but in a short period of time, in about a month of he and I talking, his Instagram went up to like 200,000 followers. So it shot up like 150,000 followers overnight. Yeah, he grew really fast. It was, it was amazing. So you had all these people in the reptile industry that were like, oh, he's, he's obviously buying his followers. And I was like, I don't think so, man. I think that, that so many people saw that iguana video. I mean, I saw it. And if he keeps on putting stuff like that out, it's, it's, it's really good. Great. It's really good content. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm not going to say anything that puts anybody else on the spot because I did get a couple warning calls about him. And the warning calls that I got were from people that are very knowledgeable. And uh, one of them, I will say, went through my buddy, Josh, and Josh was basically like, look, I got a call from somebody that was like, it looks like your buddy PJ is about to start doing a bunch of stuff with Tarzan. Just tell him to be careful um, and, you know, make sure he's got a contract in place. He doesn't get screwed any kind of money or anything like that. So I wanted to make sure that he knew how serious I was. So I offered him a good monetary contract, which we don't do that often. But I wanted him to know that I was serious. Plus, if he really was going to get locked into any kind of you know TV-type deals, I wanted to make sure that we had solidified our relationship going into that. So the first month goes by, and we did uh, our video of me and him training in the gym. And he had come up and said that he was training for professional dodgeball now, which I was amazed to hear is actually a sport, apparently. Didn't know that. And that he was going to be on ESPN, like ESPN, the Ocho, like one of the far down ESPNs or something. But it was going to be on TV. And I was like, OK, that's cool. So we'll train you for dodgeball. And uh, so, you know, we, we we had a funny laugh about that. Did the video. It was a good workout. I, I felt like we were off to a good start. Hooked him up with a lot more more product. And um, he backed out of the second video that we we're supposed to do. So the second uh, month, I was really on him about making sure that we did this this uh, second video. So we actually went, I met him, I drove down to Miami, and I went with him on this little late night uh, excursion where we went into these canals, and we basically rescued a bunch of young uh, iguanas from trees that he said that he was sending to people basically for free. Mm -hmm. And uh, sending them to better homes and that, you know, down here they are considered, you know, an invasive species and people kill them down here. And, and there's horrible, horrible videos and, and, and pictures of, of people with like literally hundreds of dead iguanas laid up like in front of them. They just smashed their heads in and kill yeah. them. So I was I had a great time doing this. I was like, man, I'll do this all the time. We went out one night. I felt like, you know, it was like we we're like wilderness junkies out in this little canoe saving all these iguanas. It was fun. And that was a cool video. And then he blew off the next video. So then the next month, he blew off all the videos. Now, on top of that, he was supposed to be making, uh, the deal was he was supposed to be making 12 wall posts a month. 
And so he had been making zero wall posts at all. And I said, listen, at least be getting some stuff in your stories. You know, you're violating your contract. Please do this for me. You know, you're getting paid every month. And so the next month went by, blew off the videos again. And this is when my, um, at the time, head of social media before I was running it, reached out to him. And he was like, look, man, you know, I don't want to see this go bad with you and PJ. Like, you're a cool guy. We like you. But you got to at least do something, something, you know, you're, you're not putting up anything. So then the third month came and this is when a bunch of us got really disappointed. The third month came and he started getting a lot of traction and he's getting a lot of views on social media. And all of a sudden he's like doing some Ciroc videos with like P Diddy and he's out on some island and he's got Blackstone Labs stringers on, but he has them on inside out. And people are sending it to us like crazy. Like, why is he wearing your stringers inside out? Did somebody tell him like, hey, you got to turn those inside out? Did he just think, oh, I'm going to turn these inside out? I mean, no one would wear them like that. And that's blatantly disrespectful to you. And it's pretty messed up considering that's part of his contract that you've been paying him to do before any of this, you know, fame started for him. So I kind of had a feeling this was going to happen and I didn't want it to. So I was extra, extra patient with him, which I will say that in life, sometimes I'm too patient. So another month went by and I had found out that now this part I didn't know was that, uh, well, everybody here is paid on direct deposit. And he told uh, the bookkeeping that he could not be set up on direct deposit, that he wanted a physical check that he came to get every month. So he was actually coming up and getting a physical check every month. And they just assumed that was fine with me. And sometimes things happen here without me knowing. And so when I found that out, I said, oh no, he's gonna get the check from me next time when he comes up. So the fourth month of him doing nothing goes by. And at this month, and I'm just gonna throw the number out because people are gonna be really upset to hear this. It is what it is. I've had some reptile people reach out to me and say, man, I would have killed for a deal half as good as that. But he was getting paid $2,000 a month and all he had to do was the two videos and the the wall posts, right? So he had at this point done no wall posts and just those videos from the very beginning, but still made sure to drive here to collect his check. Without doing the work. Without doing the work. So he was told uh, by bookkeeping, um, oh, you, you, I won't have a check for you. You'll have to get it from PJ. So he came up here anyway and managed to trick somebody else into giving him the check. And that's when I got really, really mad. So I called him and I said, hey, I noticed that you managed to uh, get a check out of here today without seeing me when the deal was you were supposed to see me. And he was like, well, I was in a rush and I don't know where you were and, and we're cool, we're cool. You know, I've been just so busy lately, man. I've been just so busy, but I haven't forgot about Blackstone. Like my career's taken off and I got all these things going on. I'm getting flied here, I'm getting flied there. And I said, yeah, that's great, but you know, all of these people that are blowing up like you, they still have time to do their sponsorship, you know, obligations for whether it be Pepsi, Nike, whoever. And I see you doing all kinds of stuff now. I see you do stuff for sneakers. I see you doing the stuff for Ciroc Vodka. And he's like, yeah, it's so cool, right? I'm glad that you saw that. Don't worry, I tell all these people that PJ is my boy. And I said, well, if I was your boy, you wouldn't steal from your boy, right? And he goes, no, never. And I said, because it kind of feels like you're stealing from me. And he goes, no, I would never do that to you, P. You know, you gave me my first chance. And I said, well, 
why are you coming here and picking up checks when I'm not here? How have you found out a way to do it without me knowing each time? And I'm really mad because this last one where I said that you had to get it from me, you managed to find somebody that didn't know that and they got you a check. And I came after you were gone and you you hightailed out of here before you had to speak to me face to face. That feels like stealing. And he was like, oh, no, I, I was just in a rush. And they said that you were busy. And I said, no, I think you're playing stupid with me now because I said you were going to get the check from me. So would you steal from your friend? And he goes, no, nah, man, I, I don't like you saying that. And I go, well, that, that's what you do. So I'll tell you right now, I'm going to give you a chance to do your posts this month. And I really, really suggest that you do them because if you don't, then we're going to have a problem. And then I'm going to get the attorney involved and you're going to see what happens in real business when contracts are violated. And he's like, that won't happen. Sure enough, not only did he do nothing again, but there were more posts with the shirts on inside out. And now at this point, everybody in the office is looking for them. So he had done it like three times. And they're like, why is he going through the trouble to doing that? That's so bizarre. So at this point, it was hard to take it as, as anything more than blatant disrespect. So this time I wasn't so nice when I reached out to him. And I let him know. I said, listen, here's the deal. Now, if I see you, you better watch out because I don't care about getting arrested. This is before my indictment, by the way, and now I can't talk like this or say anything like this. Um, The last thing I'm going to do is go and put my hands on anybody. So let this be known. This is an old, old conversation. I said, when I see you, I'm going to slap you in the fucking face and teach you a lesson in respect. And he was like, well, just so you know, I would only say the nicest things about you. And I'm, I'm very sorry that you wanted to go that way. And it's a shame. And he tried to be super, super nice about it. And I go, yeah, we'll see what happens when we see each other. And I just left it at that. And I didn't even pursue trying to get the money back from him for doing nothing because I knew it wasn't going to be worth it. And we let it go. But at that point, I felt like he was a fraud and I had nothing nice to say about him. And at that point, I see people raving about what an amazing guy he is. And I'm like, if they only knew what I just went through with him before all this happened, when I gave him a shot and he was just cleaning Tegu poop. And I say it like that because it's kind of funny to me, but realistically, that is basically what he was doing. So all of a sudden he was too good for me because he had skipped over me to, you know, Will Smith or whoever else wanted to give him attention because he's the quote-unquote black Steve Irwin now. And I found out from a lot of big-time reptile people. So I, I posted my negative opinion of him. And people with very, very large followings that have big, big, big backings behind them in the reptile community, I'm not going to say any of their names, reached out to me and said, this guy's a fraud. And many of the things that he does are in front of other people's stuff. Uh, he goes down to prehistoric reptiles quite a bit. Uh, does videos with his stuff. He's kind of using other people that have already made it to get himself established established more. And he's, he's like walking all over people. And I had found out that at uh, Daytona, there's a big event in Daytona that, so he showed up there with like an entourage of people and like camera people all around him. I was there. And I was told by people that he acted like he was like a big, big celebrity at this event. He was a reptile God. Yeah. Yeah. And there were people that were like, 
hey, do you mind if I get a picture with you? And he, and he made, would make a, like a mockery of the whole situation. Like, oh, you want a, a, a reptile picture with the reptile god himself, with the real Tarzan? Of course, let's get the camera crew over here and make like a giant spectacle out of it when the person was just wanting a quick picture. And the people that I knew of that knew him said he just dramatically changed overnight into this very arrogant person. And I was like, well, you know, he got a nice chunk of money to get himself going for me in the beginning and I was one of those people that he got taken advantage of so I told my story on there and um, a number of people had reached out to me you had actually reached out to me about it and we had spoke about that as well and I was just really shocked by how many people he had done this kind of stuff to over the years and now I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for it to run out you know when, when you see a, something happen like that to somebody who doesn't deserve it you know I, I always wish people success, but when it's somebody that's that's done negative things like that or screwed people over, those are the people that I I, I, I do wish to see fall from grace, you know. And I don't, I'm not one that wants to see that happen really really often at all. But in his case, I'd like to see him get knocked down a peg and have to remember the people that he screwed over in the beginning. It's unfortunate because he definitely had something going for him. And I think he could have been extremely successful, but he just handled things the wrong way. And he didn't just do it to one person. Unfortunately, he did it to many people. And like you, people that went and helped him out to get to where he is today, those are the ones that he screwed over the most. And the ones that aren't helping him, those are the ones that he keeps chasing and, you know, trying to follow. And, And he's more loyal to the ones that aren't loyal to him, which is just kind of backwards in my opinion yeah. but you know he he made his bed and eventually he's got to lay in it well i mean let's face it most reptile people aren't going to be the big influencers on social media and so he nailed to kind of hit both of those you know he had the the flavor we'll call it he's uh got a good physique you know he's got you know some charisma uh Plus, he worked his whole Black Steve Irwin angle really aggressively. So you got people like Dan Blazarian with millions of followers wanting to do videos with this guy. And he's been loyal to the followers and not loyal to the reptile people who are going to be less known. Yeah. Um, but the reptile community is a very tight community and everybody seems to know everybody. And I, I think that he's burned about as many bridges as he could burn. So uh, unfortunately, we started out talking over a negative situation like that but it turned into all positive stuff after that and um i had suggested that you join the legion and i actually said i wanted to make some recommendations on some products that you took and um now um we've become buddies and uh we talk a lot your your progress has been amazing and i wanted to get you on here because your your story is very cool in the sense that you have military in your life but you also have serious animal stuff in your life and by serious animal stuff uh you're an animal trainer yep that's right so how did how does the the military animal how does it all tie in together so military is actually my husband he's active duty being a military spouse is not an easy task nobody tells you how difficult that actually is there's ups and downs but there's a lot of distance between the relationship because of things like that But that's where my gym stuff comes in. It keeps me motivated. I get to do a lot of stuff. But it also is very, you become very determined in in what your goals are. And it's almost like you have something to prove. So how old were you guys when you got married? Um, It's been almost two years now. 
And but you dated. He was already in the military. Obviously, he was. He was not in the military. Uh, actually, okay. that was that was a venture that we took together. And he decided to go uh, infantry, oh, airborne wow. infantry. Yeah. So how long has he gone for? Um, most of the time he's gone. Sometimes he can come and visit down at Myrtle Beach because he's stationed at Fort Bragg. Okay. So it's kind of nice. But every now and then the military gets really weird and they have these weird holds and maybe you're deploying and maybe you're not. So that's the non-fun part. And where does he go? Um, it all depends. Sometimes their units can go all over the world. Some of them are in Africa. Some of them are in Afghanistan. It just really depends on what's needed at the time. And how often are you able to talk to him? I can talk to him all the time. Um, unless they're on some kind of like weird training thing where there's no cell phones and no outside communication. But usually I can talk to him pretty often. And how often will you go through periods of time of not seeing him? Um, it's sometimes it's months, sometimes wow. it's weeks, but you know, usually it's on the weekends. He can come down and he hangs out with the tigers and stuff and we get to go swimming with them and that's really fun. But sometimes it's hard. Were you doing the animal stuff before you guys got married? Yes. So I've okay. actually been working with animals for 15 plus years. I actually started with snakes, reptiles. Okay. I've, I've, I didn't realize that I was a reptile girl until not too long ago that everyone was like, you always have reptiles. You've literally always had reptiles. And it's true, whether it's snakes, iguanas, uh, dragons, whatever it is. But if you started with snakes, how did you not realize that you were like a snake girl? Well, see, that's the funny part is I worked with snakes for 10 years at this one place, uh, Morton Wright, we had uh, ball pythons, okay. 2000 plus ball pythons that we were breeding and selling and doing all that. And what were you doing? I was the caretaker of all these guys feeding, cleaning, you know, just the regular dealing with all those rats, rats Ugh. and, and all kinds of good stuff. It's the one thing I hate is the rats. Eh, it's not too bad. You get used to it. Once you feed out like a hundred, the next hundred, it's just fine. You know what, what happens with me? I've had a couple of bad experiences with rats. So when I was very young, I had a traumatic experience of not knowing any better. That and they bite? I, I, I threw a rat in there. Oh, boy. And it, uh, nobody, no one told me that, you know, at the time, this was just a younger guy not knowing any better, that you can't really do this. And I threw a rat in there, and it, it actually viciously killed the snake. Oh, no. And it was one of the worst things that I've ever seen because... The snake, for whatever reason, just did not want to eat, and it let the rat on, chew on it. multiple spots chew all the way through its spine. Yeah. So I'm talking, you could actually see the whole spinal cord exposed and uh, could not save the snake from this. It was very, very traumatic. And so the rat was still alive when I got there, so I was like cursing this rat, and yeah. I was also so mad at myself for it. And then I had people tell me like, no, 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 you can't do that. And if they don't eat fast, just just take it out, take it out. So years later, I had a girl watch um, my animals for me and I should have just left the the snakes alone. And I had told her she could feed the snakes and I gave her, you know, directions on what to do. And I really th this is I, I, I hold myself fully to blame for this. Uh, I had a snake that I had had for years. Um, who she let the rat stay in there. And I knew I knew it was going to be a bad outcome when she had said to me like three days later, she said, hey, that one rat is still alive in the one snake's cage. And I was like, oh, take my God, out. take it out. And she, she sent me a picture of the snake. And this one was far more brutal. 
Oh no. Than anything I'd ever seen. This, this rat, it chewed almost every inch of this snake. And the snake was still alive. And um, the first thing I did when I got back, and this is like me acting out in like a savage way, was I took the, the rat and I threw it into the Savannah Monitor, who I usually don't feed live. And he, man he just mangled the rat. And I was like, that's what you get for hurting my snake. And I called Josh from JHB Reptiles. That kid is amazing. And um, I always say he's like Caesar Milan of, of like snakes. So he came and he had uh, some sort of antibiotic um, injections that he gave the snake and a cream and he soaked it and he took special care of the snake for like three days in hopes that it would have what he was calling an emergency shed and it did and he said that was a very good sign and we had to watch for a respiratory failure and after about a week he was like man i can't believe it but the snake i'm i'm pretty confident is going to survive now so that snake actually survived and is massively scarred up now for life but it was a snake where when he first saw it he didn't want to tell me but he, he was like, there's no way the snake is going to survive. We're just going to try everything. And it did. And so after that, I was so mad at myself where now I now know snakes can go a while without eating. I don't need anybody to try to feed the snakes for me. I'll just feed them myself. Yeah. Uh, and I even, even had Josh on cer certain circumstances where we were moving warehouses, take a bunch of my stuff for literally a couple months at a time. Take care of them. Take them, care of them for me. But because of that, I have a really like negative opinion of rats. You know, my rats killed one of my snakes and really, really injured another one. And I'll tell you guys, rats are fucking gross in the sense that if you leave them alone to, with each other, I've seen them eat each other. They kill each other. It's They're gross. awful. It's yeah. gross. I've also had rats that are like jumpers that when you're going to feed the snakes, they just they jump, jump right out of the at, cage. at the last minute and you can't get them. And so yep. they're living in the house for a little while. Unfortunately, I've experienced that way too many times. Yeah, yep. it's like I just don't like the rats. It's it's funny because as much as I, as I love animals, I just don't like rats. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I deal with my basic stuff. You you started with snakes. You you deal with all kinds of stuff. So you all went from snakes to what? I went to primates. Hoofstock has always been something in my life, breeding horses or you know buying and selling training horses. But that's kind of boring. I went to primates and I worked with primates for five years and that's anything from your regular monkeys and Java macaques to gorillas and orangutans and mandrels, Diana monkeys, you name it. And how the hell did you get into that? So I was looking for a part-time job. I didn't want anything too serious in this place. I just wanted a side gig, play with some animals and I hand him over my resume, talk to the director of the place and tell him just want, you know, a part-time weekend gig. And he's like, yeah, there's no way we want you full time. So eventually I became that one person that just fills every position because Joe's out sick or Chris quit and won't come back in and just integrated myself into this park and became the primate expert, so to speak. I loved primates. It, it just became my whole new passion. But at one point I kind of felt like I plateaued. Like I, I needed more, I needed something different. And then I went to big cats and that changed my life. So how long were you doing the primates for? Five years. Five years. Five years. So you were snakes for how long? 
the snakes still continued because okay. the snakes was a weekend job. The gotcha. primates became a full-time job. So uh, snakes for that one place was 10 years. Um, when I left them in that process, when I went to big cats, I just didn't have time anymore because now I'm raising cubs. Okay. I've got small babies that I'm feeding throughout the night every four hours. I don't want to work on the weekend at this yeah. point. You know, I'm tired all the time. And um, once I went to big cats, like I said, it, it changed my life. They're just the most amazing creatures you could ever come into contact with. They are sweet. They have personality. They want your attention. They're, but they're huge. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's a huge predator. You have cats. You know how cats are. Yeah. Picture your cats at 600 pounds. Yep. It's almost the same. You know, they have their personalities and the things that they like and don't like, and you can hang out with them. We take them swimming all the time. Big cats love swimming. Tigers What's the love largest it. cat that you've So we have a liger. I was going to ask if you had a liger. Okay, so a liger is a mix between a lion and a tiger. Mm -hmm. So they are the size of mom and dad combined. Amazing. This guy's like 900 pounds. Now, does it is it bigger if the male is a lion? That makes it a liger. Okay. So it takes, the way that it works is whatever the dad is, you mm -hmm. take the first part of the dad and the second part of mom. So that's why you get lion, liger. Li so if the tiger is a dad, what is that? It's called a tigon. A tigon. And it's actually really small. Really? Yes. So to get a little scientific, the male lion and the female tiger lack the growth inhibitor gene. Ah. So growth inhibitor gene, for those that don't know, means it's your cap. If mom is six foot and dad is six foot, you're probably going to be around six foot. That's just how genetics work. Is it sort of like myostatin in the human body? I have no idea. So myostatin, I'm sure there's a, a big difference, but myostatin, the human body makes myostatin so you don't grow too much. So you have to have myostatin. A lot of bodybuilding su uh, supplements like our product Myostack are supposed to inhibit myostatin production so you can grow a little bit faster. And there are these cows called Belgian blue. Yes, I've seen them. And they're the double muscle, just massive, massive cows yep. that are myostatin null. So they just keep growing. The muscles just keep growing. Uh -huh. Now, in theory, in a human, if your muscles kept growing uncontrollably like that, you would eventually die. Um, so if there is no cap for the cats, can they just keep on growing forever? So it starts to slow down as they get older, but around eight years old, they're probably around the size that they're going to be. And then it's just really, really small adjustments here and there that you probably won't ever notice. But at around eight years old, you're pretty much a full grown liger. Is it dangerous for them? It's not. They're actually really healthy. It's kind of like a Great Dane. It's just big. Yeah. But their, their life is pretty much the same as a regular big cat. What is the life expectancy of a lion, tiger, liger? So it depends. In captivity, it's always going to be either double or a little bit longer than it would be in the wild. Mm -hmm. But we had a tiger live up to 26. Wow. Yeah, which is pretty old yeah. for a big cat. I think that's old for any cat. Yeah. We had a cat live to 24. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it was my whole childhood and everything. And then one day, I, I've talked to a lot of people whose cats do this. One day, he decided that he was just going to go outside and he went on a little journey and he never came back. Yeah, he knew. Yep. My yeah. brother was really, really sad, but you know, I told my brother he just didn't want to die in front of you. Probably not, yeah. yeah. Um, that's a long time. Yeah. So the 900 pound liger. Yep. To put that into perspective, 
if you go to the zoo and you see a big lion, for instance, okay, what are we talking about pounds there? Five hundred. Oh, so it's like maybe six hundred. Almost twice as big. Yeah. Are they taller? They're very tall. And the temperament is what? So they're actually really cool because they have both temperaments of a lion and a tiger. So a lion is real ballsy. Mm -hmm. He wants to go out and kill things. He wants to be the king of the jungle where your tiger is more laid back. It's kind of skittish of things. You know, he doesn't always want to do something, but he'll do something if he's got his friends with him. So putting that together, you have a laid back, sometimes ballsy cat. That's cool. Yeah. I like it, that. It's, it's the best of both worlds. And how small is the Tigon? I'm not sure. I've never actually seen one in person. What I have heard is that they're actually not healthy. Uh. They have some, some medical issues. I'm not sure what they are, but we don't have any of those. We so is it frowned tigers. upon to, to be breeding those? I would assume so. I know that double hybrids are definitely frowned upon. Is it hard to breed them anyway? The, so you can't artificially inseminate big cats. They actually have to breed in order to go into a cycle. They have to breed. So if your lion doesn't like your tiger, it's never going to work. But they're setting it up, right? Well, if you raise a lion and a tiger together, it's not 100% that they're going to breed no matter uh. what. They, there has to be their own chemistry. There has to be their own understanding of what's going on. And they have to want to breed. Out of curiosity, do you know of around about how many ligers there are out there i don't even think anybody really knows what the it, number is i assume it's not that many though right it probably is not that many do you know who the first one was i don't i see this is good trivia <laughs> for the future see our listeners will find this data out for us they'll probably find out where the tigons are too now and 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 let us know oh yeah. there's a really unhealthy one here which will make us sad um yeah i've seen all of your uh big cat uh, pictures and uh, I was curious of which one was your favorite out of all of the different kinds of species of cats that you've got to work with tigers tigers they're just so they're like compassionate almost they have a very unique personality to where they're kind of big puppies um, they're affectionate they want to hang out with you uh, we raise our tigers from babies. We can interact with them with the moms because we've interacted with moms when mom was a baby. And so we have this really cool bond and relationship that allows us to do certain things with them. Take them on a walk, go swimming, just hang out with them, watch some TV. You know, there's there's all this whole different aspect in a bond and a relationship that spending hours and hours with these big cats allows and creates. And when you go up to a tiger's pen and there's 15 tigers in this enclosure and you can pick one out and call it and it runs to you because it knows you and it wants to talk to you and it wants to see you to me is so amazing. That is amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. And they have different sounds that they make too. They chuff at you. A chuffing is like a, a purr for, mm -hmm. a, for a big cat, but they don't have the same vocal cords that a purr uh, has to, to be able to provide that sound. So they chuff instead. And it's really cute when you have a 600-pound tiger in I'll front of you I'll have to go on chuffing. YouTube and see if I can find any of those videos. Yeah, I'm sure we can find I was going to ask if they purr, so they don't. They don't purr. So the rule is if you roar, you don't purr. Gotcha. Yeah. Huh. What about I've seen you with uh, cheetahs. How do you like doing stuff with the cheetahs? They're amazing. Mm -hmm. Cheetahs are not like any other big cat, even though they're considered a big cat. Mm -hmm. um, they're real laid back. They're super social. They want to hang out with you. And the best thing is that they purr. Oh. Yeah. So I was told, you, now you may 
prove this to be bullshit. So when I first got down here and I was looking to really expand my animal uh, collection, I was very interested in getting a serval. And I found out, unfortunately, you need like three acres of land for a serval. And I thought that was interesting because Stryker the serval, who seems to live right in Miami, is in like an apartment. And um, that was the first uh, serval that I was really watching on social media that I was like, oh, I want one of these. And I spoke to a person that, that breeds them. And uh, this particular breeder wanted a very large amount of money. They wanted uh, $10,000. Ouch. So Tarzan said he could probably get me a serval for like five grand. But who knows where that one would have came from. Regardless, it's a big price difference. Um, but he said there was uh, certain paperwork that I would have had to go through. The land thing was an issue, but he also told me that the woman that got the servals could get me up to uh, and as big as a cheetah. And so I reached out to the woman and the woman explained to me, and I was always curious if this woman was just crazy or not, that a cheetah is the largest uh, pet that you can keep uh, domestic in captivity that they get along with other cats. Anything bigger than that you can't do, uh, but you can get permits to have a cheetah if you have X amount of land. Um, and I was like, wow, that'd be really interesting. I don't know anybody else that has a cheetah. That'd be pretty cool. Um, so what I do know, and I don't know the whole answer to your question here, I'm not sure what the land is. Mm -hmm. Every state is different. I do know that there are permits. You 100% need a permit. However, the cheetah thing, I, I don't think most of that's true. Mm -hmm. um, it's incredibly hard to get cheetahs. And there are probably, I think there's two places that breed cheetahs at this point. Um, nobody's exporting them from Africa. Yeah. So it's, it's just not happening. Um, but I have seen cheetahs integrated with dogs. I don't know about other cats, but I have seen them with dogs as friends. It's, it's pretty interesting. I, I, I think it would be very unrealistic for me to have anything that big, actually. But I did want a serval. I, th servals I think the servals cool. are cool. Yeah. I, I was told that they are a lot of work. They have Their diets have to be extremely specific. They yep. have a lot of allergy issues. Um, I was told that if I wanted to get a really big uh, cat, that I'd be better off getting like a bobcat. Um, that they're big and they're they're a little more friendly. That they're they, sweet. They're they're um, they're sweet. Um, but now I'm I'm I have my little Bengal cat, so that's where we're at. She's cute. <laughs> yeah. She's really cute and she's really <laughs> loving. What is the main difference in personality that you see primates versus the cats? So it depends what kind of primates, because you've got such a variety of primates, like something like a squirrel monkey versus something like a chimpanzee is going to give you two different perspectives into the primate world. Mm -hmm. Your squirrel monkeys, they're not really smart. They're just really cute. They run around, they grab food and they pee everywhere. Yeah. That's about it. Where when you get into the chimpanzees, now you have a, a, a child. It's, it's like a six year old child. It's intelligent. It has its mannerisms towards you. It has a social structure. It knows certain things. It can grab a set of keys learn which key opens what lock and will open locks that's cool it, they're they're incredibly intelligent and it's really interesting to see how they get along with each other aren't they considerably stronger than we are they are they're incredibly strong so you have to be careful of them getting angry right absolutely 
Um, is that one of the main reasons why it's really not wise to, to try to keep these animals as pets? Because yeah. sometimes you hear these crazy stories of like the chimpanzees freaking out and like maiming somebody. Attacking somebody yeah. or something. The most important thing is that you have to have the experience. Mm. It's not something that you can just learn. I'm going to buy a chimpanzee and just go with it. Chances are it's going to end up pretty badly. You need the experience. You also need proper housing for it. Mm -hmm. Once a chimpanzee gets to a certain size, it's probably going to be uncomfortable for you and that chimpanzee to live in an apartment. Yeah, you know? that makes sense. It needs space. It needs to be a chimpanzee. It needs stimulant. It needs to be able to do things. And so I would say that the average person owning a chimpanzee is probably a really bad idea. Yeah. What's the largest, you know, primate that you think that people can have as a pet safely because you see these tiny little monkeys that people have but they seem like so much more work i mean primates are work no matter mm -hmm. what it's like having a toddler for its entire life mm -hmm. you're going to change diapers and do bottles and feed it and stuff and they require a lot of attention no matter what because they're so smart they need to be with you they need to yeah. have a family structure and whatnot um i've seen many people successful with capuchins, capuchins not that i would yeah. recommend mm -hmm. a capuchin um but i've seen a lot of people that are, are able to interact with and have adult capuchins as their companion animals and what's the largest primate that you've worked with gorillas orangutans oh, like chimpanzees yeah all the great apes and I've not worked with bonobos. That's the only one that I have to check off my list of and working what is with. a bonobo? So bonobo is kind of like a chimpanzee. Okay. Yeah. But you've worked with great apes the biggest? So great apes are going to be your biggest primates. So mm -hmm. that's your, your orangutans, your gorillas, your chimpanzees, your bonobos. And what is it like with a gorilla? Amazing. Really? If you can establish a relationship with a gorilla and he respects you and wants you around, it is one of the neatest relationships I've ever had. It was a big male gorilla. He was probably around either in his 40s or early 50s when wow. I was with him. And he just, we would share snacks together, like those uh, organic potato chips were his <laughs> favorite or like some organic ice cream he really liked. And just being able to look at him and just hang out with him and be in front of him, you know, be in his presence. He was just such a spectacular being to have him accept you to be in his area was just amazing. And 50 years was he in captivity still alive. for yep. most of that time? He actually historically was a wrestling gorilla. Oh, so wow. the place that has him got him when he was about 10 years old, people before we're using him for sideshows somewhere as a wrestling gorilla. So somebody would go into his exhibit and wrestle him and people would watch and pay money and watch. They would obviously lose, right? I'm not sure. This is a <laughs> long time ago, but I would imagine so. <laughs> and I think at 10 years old, a big gorilla to wrestle with was probably a little too big. Yeah. And so he came to this location and he's lived out his life there and he's still there and happy and doing his gorilla thing. And when do they peak as far as size? I have no idea, especially for the male silverbacks. I don't know when they become silverbacks. I'm not 100% sure. But is it more than 10 years? I would think so. So they just keep getting bigger and bigger. I would think so, yeah. So I don't we, think that he would be a full size at 10. We had this uh, debate here, a call center debate. Okay. And it was, you'd be probably the best uh, knowledgeable to answer this. But we had a debate here on who would win oh between a uh, king of the jungle lion. Okay. And a silverback gorilla. That's tough. Okay. Here's the reason. Okay. Both super muscular. Mm-hmm. Both with huge canines, mm -hmm. but move in two completely different ways. So if you're a gorilla, you can go on four and two, yep. right? 
But if you're a lion, you can go on two for a little bit and you can kind of battle. You've got claws and such where a gorilla is going to more punch you or smack you or maybe pull you around. Mm -hmm. So your lion's got claws, but your lion also has a mane. And what a mane is, is battle armor. Yeah. So you're not getting to his neck as easily. So your lion is going to fight a gorilla. It's going to bite it. It's going to go for the neck, something like that. What's your gorilla going to do? It's also going to bite it, but it's probably not going to be able to get vitals because that's just not what they do. Mm. It'd be a close call. This is a good. This, <laughs> have you been asked this before? No. <laughs> we had this debate for a few hours. No. I think more people in the end, they started with gorilla. Mm -hmm. And I went with lion right away. And just because I've seen what my cats do to things when they're attacking them. Yeah. And I'm just imagining a monstrous version of that with the claws everywhere. But I didn't even take into consideration the battle armor aspect of it. Right. Which is huge. And they're made to kill. Yeah. Where a gorilla, it's made to defend. So would you say then... If you were to pick, that you would pick the lion. I think I'm going to go lion. That's the most educated answer that we've got, too. I think I'm so go lion. I hope that the call center guys listen to this. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, now, this is a completely ridiculous question. This is another question that we, we've tossed around. I like to ask some of these silly questions to the guests now. This Now, the animal on this one has changed a few times. Okay. It's been a duck. It's been a horse. Um, but would you rather, if you had a, a, a choice you had to defend your own life, and you had to fight. I think I heard this one. You may have heard this one. You, you, you have two choices. Choice number one is you have to fight a duck the size of a horse. Or you have to fight 100 duck-sized horses. So tiny little horses, but there's a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Who do you pick? I'm going for the duck. There's only one. But it's humongous. That's okay. It doesn't have teeth. It's not going to rip into you. Okay. It doesn't have talons. So it's it. they bite. Yeah, I've been bit by ducks before, but you're not bleeding. Horses, they bite. They kick. Even, Even those if, little, little tiny ones? I mean, have you seen Jurassic Park? Yeah. Have you seen those little tiny dinosaurs? Yeah, I guess so. They I, mean business. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I always strategize the fear factor of seeing a duck eye to eye like that would scare the yeah. shit out of me. It would probably be slightly intimidating, but... I think I'm going to go for the duck <laughs> and then we can all eat it after. <laughs> okay. At least you can. Yeah. I would rather eat the duck than, than the baby horses. <laughs> um, so we've covered a lot of stuff. We've covered army wife. We've covered all the cool animal stuff that you do. How, um, how is bef before we close this out, how is your typical day look like? Cause it sounds like you have like one of the most interesting days of anybody I know. So you wake up, Wake up. The first thing I do is I'm feeding and cleaning animals, and that lasts for about four hours in the morning. Okay. Um, my day-to-day -day is a little bit different depending on our season. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, right now we're closed, so we get a bunch of free time. We can take vacations and whatnot. So your day consists of about four hours in the morning. Then depending on what you're taking care of, and sometimes if someone's on vacation, I can you know jump in for them. But typically it's just watering going around, checking on everybody sometime in the afternoon. And then we usually do like a midnight run and do the same thing. Just check on everybody, make sure everything's okay. Give them all water. And that's about it. That's and on when a regular you get to get your workouts in. So sometime in between, like usually after the morning, I like to do some facet cardio. And I usually get that done maybe around 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. 
And as far as training goes, mm -hmm. what are your short and long-term goals as far as your physique? So as you mentioned before, and mm -hmm. I'm sure you can tell, it has completely changed. Yep. I went from let's see how big we can get and just bulk and get as big as I possibly can to, all right, let's slim down a little bit, get more into cardio, which I hate, but have now learned to love mm -hmm. because it has changed my body completely. So I think I want to go more towards the lean side, but still have muscle and still bulk a little bit, but a little bit cleaner than what I was doing before. Yeah. I mean, you still have a lot of muscle anyway. Yeah. You're, you're quite muscular. Yeah. Do you find that having the extra muscle helps you with your job? You need it. Yeah. You need it. It's so physical. You know, you're not sitting at a desk at any point of your day. You're always doing something. Cool. When you're walking a 200, 300 pound tiger, you need some muscle. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to walk a giant tiger Let's with you. Let's do it. That's my plan is to try to get up there and do something. I would stuff. love for you to come out there and check it out and just get into my passion for a day. It's, it's really spectacular. I'll probably never want to come back. You'll probably just move in with us. Yeah. Like, sorry, I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> Maybe I can run Blackstone up there. We'll figure it you out. You might. Yeah. There's a lot of land. I would, I would, I would probably, I would say that just meeting a Liger yeah. would be worth just walking away from Blackstone. So little fun facts about a Liger. <laughs> we have the world's largest big cat. Really? He is in the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's largest big cat. What is his name? Hercules. I've seen Hercules. Okay. That's our kid uh, I didn't realize that was yours. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So yeah. Hercules lives with you guys. He does. So how often do you get to see Hercules? Every day. Every day. Yeah, absolutely. So I live on the preserve. Okay. So I live and breathe the animals. It's 24 hours a day. You're there. You're doing stuff. It's not a nine to five where you clock out and you can just go home and, you know, you disconnect. Mm -hmm. That's how we build these relationships with these animals because we're actually doing it all the time. How many different species of animals are there? It's a good question. Um, I couldn't give it to you right off the top of my head, but I could tell you we have about 50 big cats. Is it mostly cats? Yeah. What other random stuff do you have? We have an elephant. Oh, we have an elephant. Yeah. That's cool. She is the an African elephant, and she's the only interactive African elephant in the U.S. Oh, she's pretty cool. amazing. Go right up to her, hug her. We go swimming with her all the time, which is a hell of an experience, which I would highly suggest you come and do. Okay. Yeah. I'll go swim with an African yeah. elephant. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna make a day out of that. Um, is there anything else that you want to plug while you're on here before you say goodbye? No, I mean, uh, it's been an amazing experience. I'm so glad to have met you and established this relationship. Likewise. And Blackstone is just, I, I can't say enough good things about it. I have taken a bunch of other things and they just don't don't produce the results that I'm looking for. And, you know, everybody tells me you're just not patient. You're not patient. And I'm like, well, I've been taking this for two months and nothing's happening. And it's kind of like taking a sugar pill. Or you're just waiting for it and it's not working or you feel weird and you feel sick or, you know, you're taking something that's just not working with your body. And what I must say, too, is that your team, anytime I have questions, whether it's you directly or somebody else on the chat or whatnot they're always quick to answer my questions and help me out they're good guys yeah and, they're pretty awesome and i mean this from the bottom of my heart i have been and i've i've told people about this a little bit i've been dealing with this you know first the epstein bar then turning into mono kicking my ass for over a month now and i've had some days where i thought i was getting better and then little bits of relapses and Right now, I'm in a phase of just being like super, super tired again, but I was super, super excited to come in and meet who I affectionately call the big cat girl. Today. Nice. 
<laughs> so this was a very fun one for me. And I learned a lot today, which is always exciting. Awesome, awesome. And I think that our listeners are going to really like this one too. Um, really quick, uh, being an uh, army wife, do you ever get to shoot some fun shit or what? I love going shooting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite gun that you've shot? So a couple of years ago, I made my own AR. Mm. So it's got all kinds of really cool stuff on it. And we sometimes set up some Tannerite. You know what Tannerite is. Of course, is. yeah, so that's the fun stuff. Some click, go, boom. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I always like to meet uh, women that like to shoot, too. I love it. So you got the animals, you got the muscles, shooting. Have you ever um, gone on any so – we did uh, – we went to um, – the only time I ever did this, and it was a lot of fun. I could have did it for days. Um, I imagine that being in the military, you can do stuff like this for days. So I went to the, uh, uh, the Altair training base and we got to do like a bunch of the stuff that the seals do up there and all the moving and shooting and kind of like going around the different obstacles and moving targets and whatnot. And that day was a very, very fun day to me. It's a lot more fun than just sitting in one spot shooting and shooting and shooting. Yeah. Um, do you ever get to do stuff like that? I haven't yet, but I actually have been working hand in hand with a friend of mine that's putting on a special forces tactical training. Cool. Um, he goes out and he takes anybody that wants to learn how to do this stuff and it's fully interactive. You're running around, you're dodging, you're rolling on the ground, shooting targets. It's really, really way hard. harder by the way, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone sucked that day. <laughs> Everyone that thought they were good sucked that day, except for the instructors. Of course they were all good. Awesome. Well, we'll have to keep me in the loop with more, yeah. more when that's going on as well. Absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. It was, it was an awesome show, and we always end the same way. Peace out. Bye.